Hello and welcome to Bougie Adjacent. Today I have a super exciting show. The guest is Liz Bentley. If you don't know who she is, she has a really good podcast called Feathers in My Hair, which is about Teen Mom, but yet not at all about Teen Mom. Um, She also has a really good Patreon called Liz Explains It All, where she talks about pop culture. I've got to say, I sort of discovered Liz Bentley accidentally and as far as someone to whose content I enjoy, she's someone whose content I truly, truly enjoy. Not only that, I really like the content that she recommends. Um, I'm just a really big fan and I really and truly allowed myself to geek out completely in this episode not only over her, but just over the things that I'm into, the YouTube videos, the Reddit, all of that, Um, which is a little bit weird. I feel like this episode may surprise people because, um, you know, I write about interior design for Forbes and blah, blah, blah. But like, especially during the pandemic, I've really like run, I'm like, at this point, I've just, I've finished Netflix, I've run out of content. And I'm just super into YouTube these days, which is, again, of all people, this is a surprise to you. It's a surprise to me. So I, listen, I'm letting my freak flag fly and I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. Um, Anyway, I am going to shut up and get to the interview because it's a long episode, but I'm telling you, it's really good. And if you want to... We just really went all over the place with pop culture. We did talk a little bit about Teen Mom and her podcast. Um, and we also talked about creators in general and kind of how she she's really an accidental creator. I don't want to call her an influencer because I don't think that that's really what she does. But her podcast and her Patreon, it's just such, it's just really good content that I truly enjoy. And also, she does this all to pay for grad school, which I really like too. It's like, I want to, listen, I'm never going to be that girl who supports Logan Paul or Jake Paul and is like, you know, super excited to like give money to them or buy their merch. Like, I don't give a fuck. But you give me a girl that's real that's honest. Um, She went through addiction. I also talk a little bit about my own struggles with Adderall in this podcast too, which may or may not be a surprise to some people. Um, But it's just, you know, I was really open. She was really open. It's definitely a different side of me. It was just a fun episode. Anyway, you should definitely definitely listen to her podcast, Feathers in My Hair. It's linked in the show notes. And if you like that, you should definitely definitely do her patreon it's five it's such a worthwhile five dollars a month i have subscribed to other patreons and i'm like this is not worth the money it is totally worth the money she just like i said her content is killer i think you guys are really going to enjoy this if you like this podcast please subscribe rate and review um it really really helps me out um and again, here is, oh, and follow me on Instagram at it's Amanda, at it's Amanda Lauren, I-T-S-A-M-A-N-D-A-L-A-U-R-E-N. And you can follow Liz um, at feathers underscore pod. So follow her there. All of this is in the show notes. You're going to read the show notes. Okay, 
I'm going to shut up. Here's the interview with Liz Bentley. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm going to sound like such a dork, but like I love, love your podcast and Patreon. It's like my favorite thing all week. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. No, I'm sure people tell you that a lot. Like, it's so good. And you have just, like, very good – I, like, have now, like – I'm now, like, very much into YouTube because um, of all of your YouTube commentary. So now I'm just completely addicted to watching that all day. That is definitely, like, my favorite part of doing the podcast is when people message me and they're like, Ugh. I just watched eight hours of like something that I didn't even know existed yesterday because I listened to your podcast and I'm like, yes, that's me spreading the good word. <laughs> it's no, and it's so, um, it's so funny. I wasn't going to start with this, but I will start with this. Sure. I have gotten very, like, I don't know what it, you just have very good recommendations and entertainment and you also know about things that like I am into but don't want to discuss and like and this is going to come out wrong but like I'm almost like embarrassed to admit like how much time I spend on YouTube and on Reddit reading like blog snark and fundy snark and it just it's like I guess it's a guilty pleasure because there's not much crazy stuff I can do during the pandemic where I feel like this is like my crazy thing of the day, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So first of all, like same people in my life, like don't know I have a podcast. Like in (laughs) real life, like I have blocked on my personal Instagram. Like you can't leave the word podcast in a comment on my Instagram. Like it is a need to know basis. And that's kind of how I've always been with the internet. Like I like to have my real life and then the things that I do on the internet and not have to like, I don't know. I like to be able to exist in a space where I can just like nerd out and talk about all the things that I like that nobody in my real life cares about. It's not a secret. Like I tell people if it's relevant, but like, I don't like to be tagged in anything on my personal account. I don't like, I just don't want people to like come and find this because I like to be able to talk about stuff like this and not have real life people be like, what? Like you do what? (laughs) It's, I kind of, no, I kind of agree. Like, it's funny. The only person, now I'm completely addicted to Teen Mom and I've watched every episode since the beginning, um, or I think every episode, Um, although I'm not caught up because right now I am, um, I go away. My husband and I go to the Hamptons for the summer where his parents have a house and we live with them for two and a half months, which is People think it's bonkers, but like I love it here and like we could not afford, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to rent a house. That's also an East Coast beach thing. I feel like anybody that – you know what I – like I stay with my parents at the shore like – I don't know. We always had our big family house until we sold it a couple years ago. Like that's very normal for me, like the multi-generational summer house. It's no, it's great, but like the cable here is terrible. <laughs> and like Teen Mom is not like the on demand seems to be behind, I think, because it's the reunion show. And I'm like, I'm not caught up. But then your most recent episode, you were not caught up either. So I'm like, okay, hopefully it'll come on this week or maybe I'll watch it live. But like, 
it's very funny because people are surprised because like, you know, they're like, oh, well, you write for Forbes and you write about interior design and all this. And people are surprised that I like garbage entertainment, like the trash, like I'm not like honey boo boo, but like the trashier, the better. Yeah. And it's funny you said like I recommend things that um that you like because the other day my friend, I did like My Fair Brady on my Patreon last week and I listened to one it. of my internet friends messaged me and she was like, you know, it shouldn't be surprising, but I'm constantly surprised that you watched all of these like things <laughs> that I feel like nobody else watched or talked about, but it's not surprising. I found that us idiots that are still watching Teen Mom like have a lot of common reality television interests that like because here's my thing. I mean, obviously, like, Bravo, we all love Bravo, but I feel like a lot of people that watch Bravo kind of exist in a Bravo sphere. And those of us that, like, watch Teen Mom, for example, we kind of, like, exist. You know, Like, we watch other things that aren't quite as well known as Bravo. And I found, like, most people who like Teen Mom, I guess, just, like, have watched the same shows, which makes sense, right? Because we all then turned teen mom on in 2009 and now we're just still watching it it's no it's true it's like I can't like cut these people out of my life although I have to tell you like there are some segments usually I DVR it um I don't know it's weird like Ashley and Barr I have no interest in there was a point in my life where Janelle and her mom, this was like many years ago, their screaming would give me such bad anxiety that I had to fast forward. Even though like now I think I, you know, like like that was probably only like two seasons of that. But it's sort of like how you, you sometimes I think say that like you want to fast forward Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't watch the show if I didn't have this podcast. I would listen to somebody else's podcast about it. Like, <laughs> like it's not a very entertaining show anymore. But it's like, I am I have to ride this until the wheels fall off. You know, it's like, I've been committed to this for a really long time at this point. I mean, 16 Pregnant premiered in what, 2009? And I remember my ex-boyfriend and I at the time, like watching that Macy episode, like we watched it premiere. <laughs> and now it's like, well, I've been watching this for so long. Like, I can't give up on it now. It's like my longest relationship. Truly. My longest relationship is with crappy MTV shows. Like, <laughs> I'm excited for the new Jackass movie to come out. I'm like, oh my God, that's coming out in October. Like, I mean, this show hasn't been on for I don't know how many years. Ten yeah, years? Vaguely following that because, well, first of all, I am from Westchester, Pennsylvania, which is where Jackass and like Viva La Bam is from. And so it was always like, that show is always a big deal, but I've been following Bam on Instagram and he's like in a really dark place. And so I've been following Jackass movie drama because he'll like get sober and they let him film and then he relapses and they like don't let him film anymore. And he like goes on these crazy rants like this is right up my alley, right? Like I'm not going to watch a Jackass movie, but like the drama of it through Bam's Instagram, I'm like loving <laughs> It's really – listen, I watched this entire Dr. Phil episode from like a year or two ago. Um, I mean, it's like – it's bad. Like my – but, you know, I feel bad for him, but it's also hard and I feel like this is sort of where you're very interesting. I feel like – here's the thing. 
in any sort of, and like, listen, do I think like Bam worked really hard with his CKY videos and built something from nothing and that has to be respected? But like in any other universe, like this guy would not be living in a castle. I mean, like, I can't have him on that movie. He's not safe. Like he's not safe to be <laughs> around. He's not like he's a very violent, angry person from what I can tell. And it's like, I get why he's upset that like the brand is continuing on without him because he is the brand. Like he did create it. Like you said, with the camp kill yourself videos, like that was his, but like, you can't be on set when you're blackout drunk in the middle of the day. Like you can't do that. No. And this is sort of like my thing. It's like, you have an opportunity to make like so many people would kill. And this is going to listen, like, I think that like mental illness and challenges are serious. But there's also part of me that's like, look, jerk face, there are a million people that would like to be in your place, um, who would like to be making money by doing stunts, who would like to have your fame, who would like to have your followers, who would like to have all your deals. Like, get it together. Your life does not have to be horrible, ma'am. Like, yeah, I think that's just like, wake up. I think that kind of proves like the nature of addiction, right? That like, he has all of this at his fingertips. And like, he could just be making all of this money and be living a really cool life. But he can't like he because he cannot get sober. Like, I think that just shows like, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. rationality of it all because it's like, yeah, just at, get it together. But I think he like cannot physically. It's and that's something you also talk about on your show. And this is sort of what um what I love about Feathers, which is like it's about Teen Mom, but yet it's not at all about Teen Mom. It's, you know, your lens of Teen Mom, and you talk a lot about addiction and you talk a lot about your own challenges and you're really raw and real with that. Yeah, it's about me. Like <laughs> like I started a podcast to talk about myself. And if you read my iTunes reviews, which I don't, like I very rarely do because that's self-harm, like reading reviews about yourself self-harm <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, but if you do, you look through and people are like, I just wish she would stop talking about herself. And it's like, for me, the point of having a podcast is like to talk about myself and to talk about my life in the way that I view things. And I'd rather have a less popular podcast and like enjoy doing it first of all I'm sure you know it's like very hard to do a podcast every week like it's oh, draining it's... it takes a lot of energy I've been doing it for four and a half years at this point almost every week for four and a half years and the way that it's like interesting for me to do it is to talk about it in this like sociological personal addiction journey like I can't imagine just like yuck yucking it up about teen mom for four and a half years like I, I it wouldn't have lasted well, even then, like, and I'm sure you know what's it called, Teen Mom Trash Talk, and I, I know Tracy, and I've actually been on that podcast, and she was on my old podcast. She's very nice. That I, she's so sweet, but it's a totally different show. because Exactly. It's, and Amanda's it's, show. Amanda Loves to Hate Teen Mom, who is, Amanda's my friend, and her show is so funny, but it's so different from mine. <laughs> It's it's weird. I can only do two Teen Mom podcasts and it's yours. No, it's I can't do any other team. I don't listen. And like Amanda's my friend. Everyone should listen to it. Amanda loves to hate Teen Mom. She's so funny. But I'm like, I can't listen to other Teen Mom podcasts. Like that's, I can't do it. It's too much. But yeah, it's a Teen Mom Trash Talk is great. And it's a much more popular show than mine. And 
because they're comedians being funny. You know what I mean? Like being funny and recapping the show. And that's just not what my show is. I'm like, let's get serious about this. But that's what I like about it though. I like that it's dark and I also relate to it a lot because I haven't talked about it on this podcast, but I had, I talked about it on my old one and I've talked about it like publicly before, but I was, I mean, like you, I was put on Adderall and every ADD med as a child and it was just, it's so hard. It is so hard to be drugged as a child. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to get over. I mean, I literally just quit everything in – I'm not like sober because I still – and I've been sober before, but I still drink, but I don't like – I don't take anything. Um, and it's just – it's really hard. I think it's so important because there are so many – I like I always hear about other people now. I used to feel like alone for years, like I'm the only one that was drugged as a child. And now I'm just like, oh my gosh, everyone was drugged as a child. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I personally, like, this is just how I view everything, like, through this lens. <laughs> like, it's just like, I can't imagine watching Teen Mom and like, not just like thinking about the fact that Janelle was like a 15 year old drug addict. You know what I mean? Like, because that's yeah. how I was. Like, I was a drug addict at a very young age. And so that's like the only way I, I don't know. I just, for me, that's why I liked Teen Mom in the first place. I remember having a conversation with somebody. I was, this was forever ago. I was waiting tables at this point. Like, this was so long ago before I got sober. And someone was like, oh, you like that show? And I'm like, yeah, it's like a sociological experiment. Like, I I just think it's so interesting to watch people's like family system and supports. And it's like, very serious and like the trauma that these people go through on camera and like and then also like the fact that they're famous and they talk about being famous now and like what that means like to me that's the interesting stuff of teen mom like the rest of it it's like take it or leave it for me no a thousand percent and it's funny because like my husband is like he's like very intellectual and he's very smart and he used to be a college professor and I'll make him watch Teen Mom with me and he just just like why am I watching this and when Chelsea was on he would comment like this is a different show she's on a different show than all these other people and I'm like that's kind of a good point like one of these things is not like the other yeah and I mean she's the reflection of like what like this is how I always think about it it's like yeah because Chelsea has like a loving family she grew up upper middle class like she was able to like overcome her insecurities and get out of that abusive relationship now look at her life flourishing like I to me that's like that's the interesting part right like Chelsea's so boring but like isn't it interesting that like we have these like these socioeconomic factors that we know affect people different ways like acting out in real life on the show. It's no, it's total. I mean, the worst one is watching Jade is it's painful. I mean, the producers did a great job this season with her and Brianna and her mom. And it was like, Mm -hmm. it was painful to watch, like to watch, but I was like, and I rarely say this about reality TV. Like I was at the edge of my seat. Yeah. It, I mean, they did do a really good job. And one thing that I thought was really interesting is that like, we know that before the show, Bree's family didn't have a lot of money either. But what it did show was like the power of family and like actually having a supportive family and like what it means to have like a support network and a loving parent. Because I mean, financially, I'm not sure that Bree and Jade grew up that differently, but like look at 
how different Bree's life is from Jade's. Like, well, Bree like, seems like a real person who, like, t- I mean, like, normally, I don't know. I used to dislike her, and then I'm watching her this season, and I'm like, oh, she's like a human being that takes responsibility for things, and like, she's an actual adult. Like, sometimes she doesn't act like an adult on the show, but then I'm like, oh no. She she's a great actress because this person is an actual responsible adult and is the only responsible adult, sadly, in Jade's life. I yeah. shouldn't laugh, but it's the truth. I think that Brie in real life, like you would I feel like most people would probably like her. I bet like if you were out to dinner and someone brought her as a friend, she would be very normal. It's just that like we see her bad decisions under the microscope of the show. So like, and she does make bad decisions in a lot of them. Yeah. So it's like, oh my God, you ju- like we judge her so much for her bad decisions. But I think that if it was like, if she was just like someone you knew, like you would like her. Cause I think she is very normal and like very much a human. And I think a big part of that is that she like, kind of experienced the fame of MTV and then it went away for six years. And so she's like in this unique position of like what it was like to have a little bit of notoriety as a kid and then grow up and you don't have it, then you're back on the show. I think that helped her be more responsible because she really like, because unlike Jade, who also didn't, you know, like she didn't join the show until she was a little older, teen mom young and pregnant, but like Brie kind of knew what it was like to get a taste of that and get it taken away. And so I think Brie, out of all of them, has, like, the deepest understanding of, like, this could all end in a second. So I have to be responsible. Well, that's the thing. People were, like, crapping on her for buying that townhouse. And I'm like, I didn't buy a $300,000 townhouse with cash. I, like, I saw people that were like, well, did you know buying a house in cash is, like, not the best investment? Because there are other be- – and, like, Brie's not investing money. Like, this is the best investment for her. Like <laughs> Like, is she going to go to, like, I don't know, a stock? Like, she's going to go to her investment banker? Like, yeah, it's what's absurd. The best, what's the best, low, like, high interest thing for me to put this in? Like, no, that's not what Bree's doing. Yeah, now her family has that house. And, you know, people shit on her for living with her family. But, like, it, it's what works for them. Well, it's true, which is sort of, and it's it's funny because so some of the episodes, I don't know how much you listened to this podcast or checked it out before coming on, but like some of my episodes are just solo advice shows on decorating. I'm like, I rent a one bedroom apartment in Los Angeles. It costs as much as a mortgage in a lot of places, probably more. It is too small for me. I relate to all of this. Like when you just do not have, you know, a lot of a lot of space and you just, you know just like what it's like to be normal because I think that like you have these girls like Chelsea and you even have Kale like I don't know how cheap Delaware is but I'm pretty sure her house is close to a million bucks it's gotta be that last house she just sold for like eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars I think so close to it's like it's very I mean that house obviously like in a nicer area would be over a million but it's expensive like it's not she's has a million dollar house Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible. And one thing that I want to say that I love that you do and sort of like why I've – it's funny because like I've unsubscribed from a lot of my Patreons, but it's like you're using this money to go to grad school. And it's like I know it's only like – I'm like it's $5 a month. It's not that much. But, you know, when everyone is giving $5 a month, you're actually able to do that, you know, for your Patreon and also for your podcast. And it's like – what it's funny because I was trying to like think of how to describe you and I feel like you're sort of an accidental 
influencer because you don't seem like these YouTube girls that pretend to be minimalist or pretend I'm just doing my makeup. Like you're actually a real person who's like, I like talking about this. Gonna make a few. Like, how did you get started doing this? So, I like, I definitely wouldn't call myself an influencer. I would say I'm like an accidental content creator, I guess. Um, yeah. In that, like, I found, well, I actually, so I always liked um, like NPR as a kid and a teen. And then when I found podcasts, I was like, oh, cool. This is like NPR about my specific interests that I actually want to hear and like on demand. <laughs> like, great. This is awesome. And so I like started listening to podcasts and then I started listening to, well, <laughs> I listened to one podcast. There was a guest on there named Molly McAleer and I started following her on Snapchat. And this was when Snapchat was like blowing up and must have been 2015 and so I would like respond to her snap stories. And so we were like Snapchatting. And then she started a podcast about like reality TV. Um, like she had the advice one for a long time. And then she started the reality TV one. And we like I would call in and leave voice memo. Like I would send her voice memos like <laughs> about the show. And then I was on a couple episodes. And then she her mom lived near where I lived in Florida. So we met up and I was like, well, you know, like I've wanted to do a teen mom podcast because at the time there were no teen mom podcasts. Isn't that interesting? There was not a single one. That's so weird. And this was the end of 2016. We met over Thanksgiving 2016. And I was like, teen mom is something that I know a lot about. Like, I think I have enough material that I could talk about it every week, but I don't really know how. I don't know. It was like taking that first step. I was like, I don't really know how to do that. And so Molly was like, well, why don't you do it under like this podcast? You'll be like my podcast brand. And that's kind of how it got started. And I did that for three years. And then I, at the beginning of COVID, I lost my job. And once again, it was like, I always kind of was like, should I make a Patreon? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I just didn't want to like commit to doing that work, I guess, like, and taking on like a whole other thing. And I think also it was like hard for me to conceptualize how much money I could possibly make on it um, until I started doing it. So I started the Patreon and it just kind of took off and it's not huge, but it's, I mean, I think it's like important to talk about money, right? And from building my base for three years, doing the podcast for very cheap yeah. for three years, right? Like not making a lot of money doing that, but like getting a fan base that I think um, something really important was that my fan base is fan sounds crazy, but like my listeners know that. No, they're I, fans. Like I'm at like this not, point, girl, you've got fans. I'm not somebody that sells stuff. You know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. hawk stuff. And I think that people know that I care a lot about like where their money goes and that I really value it. And so I think when people saw they had a chance that they could like support me financially, they were eager to do it because they had been listening to me for three and a half years without me asking for a cent from them. You know what I mean? Like that was never what it was about. And so once I started it, it like kind of took off. And I mean, I've been able to double my income, which is, wow. I'm actually making a little more on Patreon now than I make at my job. Um, I'm <laughs> paying for school out of pocket. You're I mean, living the dream. I have a thousand patrons about, you know what I mean? Like it's, you can do the math. Everybody can do the math. They can go and see how many pa patrons I have. Like, I don't think, I don't need to like scream about how much money I make, but I also think it's like kind of a testament to what you said of like the accidental content creator influencer thing where I like, 
genuinely curated something for many years that when it was like time to really monetize it, I was able to do it successfully. And sometimes in my head, I'm like, I cannot believe I waited so long. I could like, you know what I mean? Just like doing the math of like, if I had an extra $55,000 a year for the last three years, like what was I, but I realized like, I'm glad that it ended up working the way that it did because I think that um a lot of people push to monetize so quickly and like I truly started my podcast because I like wanted to do a podcast <laughs> about the show Teen Mom. Like I was not trying to make money, like it was not a money making venture. It was something that I wanted to do. And so doing that for three like about I had been doing it for almost three and a half years when I lost the launched the Patreon and like I think doing it that way is why the Patreon has been so successful. And I think like, I kind of think that if I'd started it earlier, it might not have been like, I don't know. I'm like, I believe, you know what I mean? Like everything happens when it's supposed to happen. And I yeah. have a lot of people like come to me asking for advice on like, how should I start a podcast? And I, like, my advice is like, only do it if you don't want to make money. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is not, this shouldn't be like, hopefully, yeah, it turns into a money making venture. But like, I think that's kind of the most important thing in like small scale content creating is that like, you just do it because you want to do it. I had somebody the other day, I don't, I don't even remember where this was, but they were like, well, I want to start doing stuff, but I don't already have a platform. And it's so hard when you don't already have a platform. And like my, I didn't have a platform really. Like I launched off Molly, but that wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, I didn't have followers myself. And what I just did was like, I found a topic I really liked. I started putting out a product that I really liked. And then I just kept doing it forever. (laughs) And like it gained steam and it gained momentum. And that's always like my main thing. When people ask about this, they're like, especially when they find out that I'm making money on Patreon, they're like, oh my God, well, how do you do that? And I'm like, it really, it sounds so cliche, but it like really has to be just like something that you want to do. And then maybe you can monetize it. Like if you get lucky enough, essentially. Well, it's just, there are so many creators out there and there's everyone like, you know, everyone is sort of trying to vie for people's attention. Yes. And I think that you really touch a nerve with people just because like, again, like you're so real with everything and you also just like live, it seems to me, and it's like, I guess everyone has their own version. Like, you know, there's your reality and then there's what people think your reality is. Mm -hmm. And, but I feel like I like will listen to you and I'm like, oh, this is just a normal person. And like you get up and like your alarm clock probably goes off more than once. And you're not like sitting there with like celery juice and, you know, you live with your mom, which is also really, really like, how does that work? Because I would lose my mind. Like the two of us would murder each other. It would be all over the news. Okay. So I was living in Florida. Like, I don't know why I feel like I should preface this, but like before I moved back in when I was 30, like I'd lived on my own since I was 18. I'd spent the previous five years living in another state, you know, like it's not like, but I was moving back from Florida and I was just like, okay, well, I'll move into my mom's is like a stopgap. And the thing is my mom and I get along really well. And my stepdad is here as well, who he's an angel on earth. And like, it really sounds stupid but like they're truly just room like we really vibe like roommates and my mom is like very like she leaves me alone she doesn't ask questions of what I'm doing um 
she like just uh, honestly the other day she's like I'm so glad you live here and for me what it feels like is like I can realistically I mean now I guess with the Patreon I could afford to live on my own but before like realistically I'd probably have to have a roommate unless I wanted to be spending like all of my money on rent and bills and I was like well why would I move out and get a roommate that I don't want to live with (laughs) when I can live for free with my mom I mean we're going on it's been like three years now which is crazy and we've had only like three fights like my dad I couldn't have lived with for this long like my dad and stepmom it wouldn't have worked but it just is one of those things that like I didn't think would work but worked so well (laughs) it's like shocking honestly do you ever miss being on your own though because like I will come here my husband and I will come here for two and a half months and like we've been here I think for five or six weeks already I don't know like I lose track of time during COVID and I'm just like there are times when I'm like I was completely this is gonna sound this is like the most bougie adjacent thing I can say there's always people in and out of this house and I have no idea what it is they do like it's a big house. In my opinion, it's a big house. There are bigger houses in the Hamptons, but there's always people cleaning. There are always people like guard. I don't know what like 99% of these people do, but like it is very rare to get a moment completely alone in this house on this property. And like, do you just ever feel weird that like, are you ever just like alone? Because I sometimes feel weird. I'm like, wait, this is the first time I've been alone in like three weeks. And I'm like, oh, that feels weird. So yes and no. Yes. Like I definitely like if I wasn't in grad school right now, I would be living on my own. I think like basically my school is about $14,000 a year and that's like what rent would be. Right. So I'm just like paying for school instead of rent. Um, So yes, like, of course, and I lived alone for a long time. Like for many years, I lived alone in a studio apartment. Like I love to be alone. So yes, but at the same time, like, I don't know, like we all work, we're all, you know what I mean? Like there are a lot of times that I'm here by myself and I just like stay, I'm a person that stays in my room in general. Like I love to be in my room and I like to watch TV from bed instead of the couch. Like that's always been my thing. Like even when I lived alone in a studio apartment, I would sit in my bed instead of on the couch, like that type of thing. And so I am alone a lot in my room. It's, I, yes, like, of course, like, yes, I miss living by myself for sure. But for me, it's just like, it doesn't, the pros so outweigh the cons that like it it it's not even really a consideration for me to be moving out at this point like it just I don't know it just it works very well <laughs> it's no and I don't blame you like if I were going to grad school and making enough money to not have like student debt I'm like it's so smart what you're doing like I super respect that even though I think I would go completely bonkers I mean, also, like, like, hopefully, if the market comes down a little bit, like, kind of my goal in the next, like, year and a half is to buy my own condo or house, but probably, like, condo or townhouse. Ideally, actually, in the development my mom lives in, because I love this development. And we just, I just need the market to come down a little bit. Um, But, like, I'm going to buy my own place, hopefully, and, like, live in my own place. It's just, I, like, was, thought I would be in such a rush to move out, and then I wasn't, and then I was, like, why would I move out? Like, it's fine here. <laughs> My mom keeps a very clean home. It's like very nice to live here, actually. It's more than fine. It's very nice in many ways. 
When were you, so when were you living on your, was this when you were, before you were sober or after you were sober that you were living alone? I mean, before I was sober. So I, um. <laughs> but so, but that's like so much fun though. Okay. I mean, obviously like it's horrible, but it's also a little bit so, fun. Uh, my dad paid my rent for a very long time in my life. Um, bougie adjacent, if you will. <laughs> uh, just like spoiled girl, stay at home daughter style. Um, I it took me a really long time to go to college, like a really long time. And then even in between, I would like, when I would drop out of college, my dad would just pay my rent. So I lived in studio apartments. I had two different studio apartments that I lived in each for two years. Um, and like my terrible boyfriend would live with me on and off, but I lived alone for a lot of it. And it was great. Like I loved it. I loved living in a studio apartment. It's like the perfect size for me. And um, that was though, like, so I was, you know, I was 18. I went to college. Then I came home and my dad just like started running me apartments essentially. <laughs> and then I got, then I like went to Florida and then I started paying for my own rent like a year into living in Florida. So I was going to say, I get it though with studio apartments. My favorite apartment that I've ever lived in, I would say, that I've lived in like alone and I lived in there were like years of my life when I I must have moved like five times in three years two years I don't know there was a time in my life when I was just like a mess and moving a lot and I loved being in a studio apartment it was like my favorite everything is right there it's easy to keep neat yeah I had like such two such nice ones that had like big beautiful bathrooms walk-in closets like good sized kitchens especially this first one I was in I loved it and I would definitely like I don't know I definitely miss living alone and it was probably bad for me to be living alone a lot of those times <laughs> at that time in my life but um yeah it like it, like I said hopefully in the next like within the next two years I'll be buying like my ideal would be like a two-bedroom condo I mean, you're going to get there. I feel like it's it's like funny because like I feel like I'm rooting for you. Thank you. <laughs> like you're like one of those people where it's funny because I'll watch people like I don't. Okay. There's one person that you talk about on your Patreon that I kind of don't. I have like this weird thing like I like some of her content, but I don't root for her, which is um, without a crystal ball. Oh, please. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> I don't know why. I, it's like mean. the worst. She's, she's a mean lit- person. That's why she's terrible. Like I feel. So, I'm like, why am I watching her? What am I doing? Like, skip commercial. Skip commercial. Don't want to give you an extra cent. But like, no one else will talk about. Maybe you and her are the only people that will talk about the Duggars for like. Half an hour at a time. Yo, she gets content. Like, that girl gets stories. Like, like I hate to say it, but, like, she gets exclusives. She does. Like, credit where credit is due. It's, like, the worst. It's, like, the best of the worst. Yes. But she's on – you know what it is? I don't find her – There, she uploaded something today, and I'll probably – we're recording this on a Tuesday. I'll probably uh, post this on Thursday. But, like – Someone was stalking her and like she just she manages to get into lawsuits the same way like people manage to like ruin a nail getting a manicure. 
it's like you're like comprehensible i truly cannot follow it i always say i'm the goldilocks of drama there can't be too little or too much and she fully has yeah the too much thing i like follow her on twitter and i cannot keep up i did see that todd chrisley is supposedly threatening to sue her which like fuck todd chrisley i'm like so team no one on that one but um yeah yeah i get what you mean like because i feel the same way about certain people that i watch them because i consume their content because it like pings something in me but i'm not like rooting for them and then there are certain content creators that i'm like genuinely rooting for and like people i gladly give money to on patreon like people that i make sure to watch the ads all the way. Some people will click through their ads. You know what I mean? I'm like, here mm-hmm. you go, babe. Like, like, cause I know they get like an extra 0.1 cent or whatever. Like if you click through the ads and I do think that like a big part of it is people that, well, one, the, the issue with, with that of Crystal Ball is that she's mean. And I think that the difference between like me and her is that I'm snarky, not mean towards people necessarily. Um, but like, yeah, I think what it is, is that I like people who genuinely care about what they're posting about and aren't just like posting to post. And that's when it's like, I don't know, they're like, I'm very into like organic content. And I feel like I have a good detection for like what's bullshit and what's not. And kind of on this topic, like what I'm obsessed with right now is like these TikTok creators that are blowing up overnight. And like, I'll find someone that has like, you know, like 3000 followers and then they get like to 500,000 followers. And it's so interesting seeing them trying to navigate, like suddenly having this platform where they can make legitimate money and like how they navigate that and like when you turn from being that person to somebody that you root for to like you know it's it's so interesting watching it like happen quickly to these tiktokers it's and i'm literally like over and i don't know one that you talk about and one who i well i mostly watch her youtubes i don't really watch her on tiktok i'm very much rooting for jessica kent yeah yeah oh yeah she (laughs) I am very much rooting for her as well. I think she has a hard time with deciding um, how personal she wants to be and like the feedback from it, which I really, I think she's stumbled into like making a lot of money and isn't quite, which is another interesting thing, right? Where you like share a bunch of your stuff. And I think this would happen to me too if I like blew up somehow. It's interesting watching her navigate like how much she wants to share of her like current personal life and I like that she's like moving towards more like content like activism content you know what I mean like I I think it's really interesting watching her like advocate for prison reform it's super interesting um and I think that like she's sort of it's funny because like and this sort of makes me feel guilty but it's like I used to think of people in prison as the like the people you watch that have like are missing half their teeth that are like not well spoken, you know, and they just are seemingly like from another planet Mm -hmm. on like locked up or whatever. And then I watch her and I'm like, this would be my cool neighbor next door. Like if we live next door to each other, I totally invite her to my barbecues. Yeah. I think I remember when Orange is the New Black started and I read an interview with a writer or producer, someone that said Piper was like the Trojan horse into the other stories that they had to use like the pretty blonde white girl to get people to pay attention. And then they would learn about the other stories. And I think in a way that Jessica Kent is a really good messenger because she is pretty. She is 
normal looking for what you know what I mean like she is very I don't know you would turn her on and you wouldn't be like oh my god that girl is in prison but in a lot of ways the person in that position can really like deliver a lot of information to people that weren't necessarily trying to find it and then they use that person to like get you know what I mean to like find out more info and that person like opens a whole door for them and I think Jessica's really good with that it's inspiring to me it's it's interesting and then her vlogs are also interesting and sort of like how she's I don't know like I've probably been watching her for maybe a year again like I have no concept of time at all during during COVID but maybe a year or so and I'm just like maybe less than a year maybe nine months whatever but it's like you know she moved from wherever she was and now she is like a cute a cute Mm -hmm. house and like you know, she like did her kids room, but she seems like fairly, there's something very normal that there's also something though that I feel like, like is sort like, I feel like there's something major about her that like people just don't know. Like you're right. Like how much is she really telling about herself? I think that she's a really good example of the parasocial relationship and that she like she really does seem like she could be your next door neighbor. Like Tana Mojo doesn't live next door to me. You know what I mean? Like these like (laughs) crazy L.A. influencers. Emma Chamberlain does not live next door to me. But like Jessica could live next door to me. And that's why I think people like her do inspire that like feeling of wanting to support so badly because of that like they feel accessible, I guess is the word that I'm looking for. And I know that I feel that way to people, which can be hard sometimes because sometimes people, um, it's hard to figure out like how much of myself I'm supposed to be giving people. If that makes sense, like I'll get messages in at, on Instagram that I'm like, I like emotion, like I don't have like the bandwidth to respond to this right now, but they it's like heartfelt but it's also too much and I'm like I don't know how like like I don't people feel very comfortable talking to me and it's like really a blessing I get so many incredible messages where like I get a lot of messages where people are like I didn't realize I was an alcoholic and so like until I started listening to your podcast or I didn't realize I was in an abusive relationship until I started listening to your podcast and I don't think like I'm getting anybody sober like getting anybody out of an abusive relationship I think I just have a point of view that like shakes people awake a little bit and like causes them to examine their own life like I you know I'm like the I don't know what the word I I don't my brain's not totally working right now but like I'm the person that like turns the light on you know what I mean and they can like look around and like really see what's going on and that's amazing but it also can create this like weird dynamic where people like really feel like they're my good friend and I understand because I do that with other content creators (laughs) like I feel the same way like I feel that way about Jess I feel that way about certain podcasters and so I think in a way it's good that I'm me because I consume all of this stuff so like I know what that person's doing when they're reaching out but it definitely is like weird to be on the other side of it sometimes when it's like oh these and then the other thing that sucks is like when you upset someone you like really hurt their feelings and it's like 
I didn't know you existed. Like I didn't <laughs> try and hurt your feelings, but I like they feel like a friend hurt them and not just like somebody they listened to was like had a shitty opinion. You know what I mean? And that like that can be a hard position to be in too. But I don't know where, really where I'm going with this, but I think it's like the I think that there are certain people that really open themselves up to a parasocial relationship because they're very vulnerable and they're open and they're honest, but they're also normal people. Like you said, like I'm a very normal person. I get up to my alarm. I go to my job every day. Like I'm in school. Like I'm extremely normal. I'm not an influencer. And as opposed to like watching like Jeffree Star, you don't feel like he's your friend. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing in his life that could ever be like yours. And I do think that like the interesting thing, I guess, about like influencers and content creators is like suddenly there's these people that you can really look up to and be a fan of, but they're also like extremely accessible to you. No, that's totally true. And it's funny because I live in LA and living in LA, I'm like, everyone is pretty. Everyone looks better than I do. Everyone is dressed to the nines. All Like everyone looks like an influencer all of the time. Just like walk – and I live in like a fairly normal – like I live in this neighborhood called Larchmont Village slash Hancock Park and there are tons of celebrities that live there and I'm not like saying that to brag and they live there because it's so low-key. There's like a little walking area that's like a main street with like a Rite Aid and like a pet food store and like a bunch of like upscale shops and like semi-decent restaurants. And it's like very, very – like lots of people with dogs and like strollers. And it's very like normal. But even then I'm like, but if I feel like you're from someplace else, this must seem glamorous. And it's like I'm around glamorous people, you know, not like, well, I guess the pandemic, I'm not around people all of the time. But like I don't find super glamorous people all that interesting. Like I'll never watch a Jeffree Star video. It's like what what am I going to learn from like someone that makes millions of dollars a year who like does makeup really well? Like I don't care that much. He doesn't really like – he doesn't just – I don't know what it is. Like, they don't interest me, but all of these, like, semi-normal people uh-huh. kind of do. I, I totally get that. I think that – and I live not in L.A. You know what I mean? I live in yeah. suburban Philadelphia. But I do think that, like – um that there are the Jeffree Stars and the Tana Mojos and stuff, they kind of exist as celebrities now <laughs> in, in the social yeah. media sphere, right? And like there are influencers that exist as celebrities. And so it's like you like them and you follow them or whatever, but they don't, they don't like spark this feeling of like you feel like you could be close with them or like you really want to learn more about them the way that like the normal person content creator does and I also think that's kind of the difference between like an influencer and a content creator in a lot of ways which is I I don't know kind of silly like to parse down but I think somebody also that like like I said, like I am never trying to sell anything, even like on feathers in my hair. If you've noticed, I try really hard not to push my Patreon. Like I plug it once and then I move on. Like I'm not here to sell shit. I'm here to just create content. And even if I have like ads or whatever, like 
they're just ads. You know what I, I'm not, I'm not trying to like influence anybody into doing anything. No, I, I mean, listen, you have to get paid. Yeah. Like I, like you have ads, but it's like, guess what? Everyone like who's making money from their podcast has ads. Yeah. And I think that like, so there's the people that are like influencing and then there are the people that are making content. And that's why I personally like content creators better. And I know like some people listening are probably like they're the same thing and I get it. But I do think there's this fine line between people that just like want to produce something because they like to do it and they like the way that people respond to it and people that are trying to be social media influencers. Do you know like you know what I mean by that? The two different realms. No, and sometimes you can't tell. One of the things I've been very into, and I don't know why, like I can't figure this out because I don't, I'm not Christian, but I love these fundy Christian influencers. <laughs> I mean, same. Like, it's <laughs> so, freaks. they're all, like, I'm just like, the problem is I like them and then they'll do like, they'll get into politics and I'm like, Please don't talk about politics. You're ruining. You're ruining this. For, you're ruining our fake relationship. Then you find out they're QAnon, and you're like, "Fuck!" Like you just ruined my life. But it's like I will sit there. There's this one who I just discovered. Like that algorithm. Like the algorithm gets me every single time. Um, Sarah Therese. I actually asked her to be on this show. Um, I don't think she will be, but she's like a minimalist and she was like a big beauty influencer who then went to, who then like, she is like a buzz cut or she doesn't really anymore, but she's like very short hair. So people assume she's super liberal. I mean, it's just bizarre, (laughs) but I'm just like, I can't stop watching. Like I watched her home birth. I cried like the other day. I get it. It is I don't know. And these are, it's funny because you were talking about blog, you talk about blog snark on Reddit sometimes, mm-hmm. which by the way, people will mention you on every now and then. I do know. you do you ever see that? Uh-huh. Is that weird? Um, No, because I, I think, okay, the reality is, is that people know I'm on there. So for the most part, they don't, <laughs> they don't talk shit. It only gets positive posts. Um, There was once one where someone was like, I just don't get her like, she doesn't have a job. She does. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. And I like replied. I was like, look, I don't really care if you don't like me, but like, I have a job and a life. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure why you think that. But yeah, it's fine for the most part because in reality, people realize I'm on there. And so they're, I think that they don't comment negatively about me, but like, oh, I've read negative shit about me in spaces that I was like not expecting to find me being mentioned and I'm like ooh, and I just jump out of there because like I said reading that shit is self-harm well there's also like reddit and then there are like some other like I it's like funny because it's like I know these things but I don't really know what they are like a kiwi farms oh, there was yeah. like those are so many are like the worst places and that like I, I used to sometimes check out and I still do sometimes check it out like they're the forums you know what I mean that have been around forever that yeah. are so negative that I'll like go check out a creator I like and within two pages I'm like I fucking hate them and I'm like I'm logging off here like I don't want to feel this way about them <laughs> it does it like it ruins it or just people that are on there like all day long mm-hmm like, I'm like, this is what you are doing literally 
all day long. Like, what else do you have going on? Like, people will sit there and like comment and comment and comment on Reddit. And I'm like, I'm just here to observe. Occasionally, I will like correct someone if it's something, if it's about something like very specific where they're just so off. Like, this is going to sound so weird, but like someone, do you know what the Jane Club is? It's owned by mm-hmm. June Diane Rafel. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've been there like a few times for things. It was right near where I lived. And someone was commenting, oh, it's very exclusive. They don't allow – well, they don't allow a lot of people. They don't – and I'm like, it's a tiny building. You can't have a lot of members because it was literally violate fire codes, bitch. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but you have the wrong impression of this place. Yeah, I do know about Jane Club and I do see people like, shitting on it a lot and I'm like I don't know she got a bunch of wealthy white women like phone banking for local LA elections and it's like you can't hate on that <laughs> like she, no. they have people so involved over there like is it perfect no is anything perfect no but like during the election the Jane Club had people phone banking for like the most local local elections and I was like that's impressive it's also because LA is a disaster LA is literally in the middle of like a humanitarian crisis with the homeless. Yes. It's it's actually like extremely it's actually like extremely unfortunate because it's at the point where they are literally where there are homeless people um a friend of a friend they threatened to rape his daughter because he asked him to like move his tent from in front of his house. They are setting people's homes on fire. It's and people just shouldn't live like it is awful for them and it is awful for everyone around these people well, because I think when people don't sad. have their basic needs met that it creates a hostile environment I think and I would imagine of that course. the ma- large majority of people that are with how without housing like aren't like that it just I think that these situations can exasperate you know and I'm sure that, like, the house people also say similar shit to homeless people. You know what I mean? Like, it's it just sucks that it's getting so bad in L.A. No, I mean, I feel awful for these – I feel awful for everyone. Like, this is the thing. Like, these are – if you're living in a tent, you're suffering. Like, listen, everyone has different goals. Everyone has different dreams. Most people want to live indoors and have access to food and water and showers. Yes. And it's just uh, – there's money to take care of this. It's it's a really just it, – it's like at a head and it's, it's actually um, scary. There's a woman. Her name is Shirley and her organization is called Beauty to the Streets and she's incredible and I donate money to her all of the time and she goes to Skid Row in LA and just like gives stuff out. She gives food to people. She does haircuts um, she gives beauty products and I feel like, like I hygiene, know who she is. hygiene products. I definitely suggest that anybody check her out if they want to like directly help people because I know it can feel sometimes like a little overwhelming, you know, like where do you even start with trying to help people? And she's like a great boots on the ground organization to support. No, it's no, it's so important. I think was she on YouTube? Uh maybe. My you I probably you probably saw me like posting about her because I've been really into her for a couple years. 
You know what? That's so good because when I get back to LA, I'm going to get rid of, I write about beauty for a sweat life and I get sent a lot of stuff and I want to get rid of a she'll lot of stuff it, and some of it's sure. never opened. Yeah, she'll definitely take that because she does, she gives you, it's nice. It's like, it's the dignity of it. You know what I mean? Where it's like yeah. people that are like without homes don't just want like a, just like they're people. You know, like they want to have makeup too. Like they want to have things that they enjoy too. They don't want just like bare necessities, which I think is how we think of like donating a lot where it's like everything has to be like the most basic thing possible. And like, you're not allowed to ask for any like extravagant things. And like, it's awesome when you can just donate makeup to people like they want, these people want makeup too. No, it's, have you ever watched, um, there's a YouTube channel called Soft White Underbelly. Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to ruin your life because you'll just watch these videos for hours on end. <laughs> it's this guy. He's a commercial photographer and he goes to – it's not all Skid Row, but it's like I would say 75% Skid Row and he interviews homeless people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really – I mean these – it's very, very sad, but it does humanize people a lot. And I feel like sometimes I feel like very frustrated with the homeless situation in LA. It's like it's scary at times, especially because like I do walk. I mean, I have a car, but I like to walk. And like especially during the pandemic, I would go like walk to the Walgreens that's a mile and a half away just to like get out of the house. And then I'm like, I realize I'm like, you know, I don't think it's safe for me to walk the streets because I live near – my neighborhood is nice, but it's adjacent to Hollywood, which has a huge population of homeless people. And I feel like – and I feel so guilty of this word. Like you start dehumanizing people and you're just like – you just get into that and then you watch this and it just tell these – he gives these people a platform to tell their stories and it's – It's just so sad and incredible. Yeah, you realize it's not us versus them. We're all people. No. Like, it's not – it doesn't have to be an either or. There's no battle going on. It's just everybody's just trying to live. Which is sort of like – so what are you going to school for? Because I was thinking, are you being – is it social work or psychology? Because I know there's some crossover. It's social work. um, But I'm not, like, totally sure what my goal is. I – thought I wanted to be a therapist, which you can do as a social worker. It's a good path to get the MSW. But I really like policy and I really like um, like macro work is what they call it, which is essentially what we're talking about. Um, and I would really I'm going to be doing my internship at like a, a grant funding place this year that I'm super excited about. And so I think that might be like the path that I go into, like policy advocacy working like on a large scale basis as opposed to like one-on-one help. What sort of policies do you want to change? Um, I would really like to work in reproductive health policy. I think that is my main like area of interest to work for like, um, I mean, one in Pennsylvania, but Planned Parenthood or working for smaller local based uh, like abortion funds and being able to advocate for laws because, you know, things are getting really tough out here and raise money and be like boots on the ground uh, activism. 
what draws you to that specifically? Because I, I feel like that's something, again, I was going to say, I watch too many fundamentalist YouTube videos, which are all the opposite way. And it's like, what, what draws you to that specifically? Because I would think with you, it would be like addiction and recovery because you talk so much about it. So I think that because I'm sober, it's like a big part of my life, but I'm like just not that interested in working in anything having to do with that. I mean, like policy work, I guess, but um, I've just always really, really, really cared about reproductive rights and my mom really cares about it and I've just cared about it for as long as I can remember and it's just what I've like always been extremely passionate about, like just always. It's I like it's just one it's just been my my topic forever and I would love to be able to work at an organization that's like directly trying to fight back against these like six week abortion bans. It's which is just like crazy because most people find out they're pregnant it's, at six weeks. Which is the point of it. You know, like the point is that they're trying to essentially illegal like to make abortion illegal without having to actually make abortion illegal and it's really scary that they're getting so far. And I mean, a lot of states will have one clinic that does abortions, you know, like people live hours away from them. It's, it's awful. And I really think that it is a medical right and that every person that needs to have maternal health care, including abortion, should have free and unlimited access to it. Like it, that's like what I passionately believe in. And I would love to be able to go into that area of work. Do you also think though that it's because do you think because I think that I mean listen I've never had an abortion I don't think I could have one I've had friends that have had them I don't I'm not judging anyone but I can imagine that that's a really hard decision to make like I don't think most people go into that lightly do you think it's important to give I'm just always like why aren't we giving people birth control? Like, why are we not passing out packages of birth control in the schools? Leave them outside the nurse's office. Like, people are not going to use condoms. A hundred percent. The goal should be to have as little abortions as necessary because there should be really good sex ed and on-demand birth control. But the reality is it's their there have been abortions since the beginning of time. They're always going to be them. So they need to be safe and accessible and, in my opinion, funded and free. Um, because the reality is it's like it's not about like, yes, I like I think that they all that goes hand in hand. You know what I mean? Like, I think that if you care about reproductive health freedom, like in abortion rights, like you also deeply care about birth control and accessible birth control. It's no, it's, it's so important. And you can't even get, I have to tell you like Planned Parenthood. So, and I haven't talked about this on like on this podcast and I think you sent me, you sent me a DM, but I had a miscarriage and it was so terribly mishandled by my doctor who basically just told me to wait and who told me to go to Planned Parenthood. And I'm like, you're a doctor. Why should I go to Planned Parenthood? And I wasn't. And to be honest with you, I'm like, I have insurance. There are people that really need to be at a Planned like, like need to be there. Why on 
earth would you suggest that that I go? Th- and I've gone there in emergency. Like, listen, I've I've used Planned Parenthood services in emergencies, but it's just so bonkers. And then I had the baby did not come out, and it was two months. And we, my husband and I, were basically instructed to go to the hospital to beg for a DNC, which didn't happen because. I, I still have no idea to this day. Like we went to an emergency room. We never saw, we never actually saw a doctor. We only saw a physician's assistant. Like it was the most bizarre thing. Like you go to, you know, you go to an emergency room, you expect to see an MD and they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't even call my insurance to cover it. They're like, go to Planned Parenthood. And I'm like, I feel so uncomfortable doing this on every level. We couldn't even get in. Yeah, and I mean, I think that just all goes back to reproduction. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that's all wrapped together. Like, nobody should have to do that. You shouldn't have to beg for a DNC. You shouldn't be told to go to like a clinic when you have accept like access to your doctor. Like, your doctor should be able to give those services, but it's all convoluted and a mess, and it's because of shitty policy. It's completely shitty policy, and it's. It's infuriating on every, just on every single level. Like we were totally ignored. There were like, the guy was like, oh, just wait. And I'm like, I don't know what to do here. And you know what's really interesting about this, which is that like, listen, I'm a writer. I've been writing for years. I know real news. I know fake news. I know how to vet information. The scary thing is when you go online, whether it's for miscarriage information and abortion, anything that seemingly involves reproductive health, all the information, you can go to very legitimate websites and the information is totally different. Well, because they spend a lot of time trying to like game that system. They want, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's on purpose. (laughs) That's all on purpose. What do you mean? Just like like the the Google algorithm? Yeah, like the anti-abortion movement, pro-life movement, whatever you want to call oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Has like spent millions and millions of dollars and a lot of time like gaming the algorithm so that when you Google certain things, they're the thing that comes up. It's it's just so it's so sad because not everyone is is so educated or knows as much. Well, they're like fake abortion centers that are called pregnancy crisis centers that people go to thinking they're going to be able to talk to a doctor about abortion and they're like not they're fundamentalist Christian organizations that are like talking them out of abortions that advertise as like a place to go to talk to a doctor about abortion like it's terrible it they like it's very on purpose it's all very concentrated it's not by accident it's the whole thing it's just so it's no, I think it's amazing that that's your. I feel like you should talk about it more on your podcast. I think I do. I think it's just like the reality is like addiction stuff just comes up more, you know? Well, especially for reality TV. I guess like there's no, there's intervention, but there's not abortion. Yeah. I mean, I think I feel like I've made it pretty clear on Feathers of My Hair that I'm like very, very pro choice and that abortion should be destigmatized and that a lot of these women on Teen Mom would have probably significantly better lives if they had had the option. Look, obviously not all of them would abort, but I I do think that like in situations where somebody is a teen and they have no support, if they 
if abortion was destigmatized and they knew it was an option, maybe they would be a different life. You know what I mean? Like, I I do think that like abortion is a huge part of Teen Mom and the fact that it wasn't used for most of these people and what that has resulted in. It's no, that's it's totally true. And it's weird because like I think about Caitlin and Tyler and mm-hmm. how they, you know, in their adoption situation, but I'll tell you, I've looked into adoption because, you know, I'm over the age of 30 and trying to have a kid right now. And let me tell you, it is not easy to adopt. No. Like and at well, all. I wouldn't ever say that Caitlin should have gotten an abortion. I don't think that's like for me to comment on. Or when you watch the trauma that they've gone through for 13 years, like having this child alive that they're not able to parent, you have to wonder like what their lives would have been like if that had been an option for them, you know? Well, I think had they known they would have made so much money on Well, Tina. yeah, they wouldn't have given up the baby. But I just mean in general, like, you know, I adoption is an option and it's a great option for many people. But I think it's like presented as this alternative to abortion when really it's an alternative to parenting. And I don't think Caitlin and Tyler had any idea like the trauma that they would be going through in relation to it. I don't think anybody was like sat them down when Caitlin first got pregnant and like honestly spoke to them about their options. You know what I mean? And I think that like they would have benefited from somebody honestly and openly having a conversation with them about that. Complete. I just think that they're not like none of these people are I mean, listen, their parents are both drug addicts. Mm-hmm. They're not although Tyler's mom seems sort of normal from yeah, I think she's just like an overworked, you know what I mean? Like she's normal-ish, but I still think she was like she couldn't offer them really any support. No, and, and she like, was married to Butch. Yeah, exactly. Like it is weird too to think that they are also like stepbrother and stepsister at some point in their lives. They were That's like the weirdest thing. I know. <laughs> it's almost it's almost creepy. It it's by the way it has been so good having you on this show. Thank this you. This has been, been fun. I love to no, talk this about is, myself. <laughs> no, it's fun. It's like I don't know. It's just like you're so normal. I just like to. I again like it's like you're right. It's like the creator versus the influencer. Influencers are not. I mean, there are some influencers I do find interesting. Of course, of course, generally, there are many. That's how like the the best ones get there. Right? They're interesting. Well, let me ask, what technical influencers do you do you find interesting before we go? Um, that's a good question. Okay, so I really like like a an influencer I genuinely like. I don't know if she would call herself an influencer. She started as a mommy blogger. Her username is Mommy Shorts. I've been following her forever. Please don't ask me why I like deeply care about mommy bloggers because I'm not a mother, (laughs) but I do and I have been for a long time and I've been following her since she like transitioned, you know, she like transitioned to Instagram like all bloggers did Mm -hmm. and like I genuinely care about her. (laughs) Like I think she is a good person. I think her children are good people. Like, do I agree with every single thing she posts? No. And you know what's interesting though is that she, before she did her like influencing full time, she spent 10 to 15 years working in marketing and advertising. And I think that's why her influencing is so good because she's very good at like at 
at doing ads that feel natural and genuine. And that's why like I can stand it and still like, I I mean, it's been like 10 plus years that I've been following her and I'm like still (laughs) all in on her. Like there are definitely influencers that I, I care about and I genuinely like, um, it's just, they're few and far between. And I think the difference between them and the ones I don't like is that they're able to like organically sell their content. It's how can you tell when someone is faking it? I don't know. I think it's just a vibe where you're just like, ugh. it's it's like that gut instinct. Like, and I might be wrong. You know what I mean? Like it, they might not be faking it, but if it feels like to me that they're faking it, I'm like not interested in it. That's so I'll have to, I will have to check out mommy shorts. It's uh. she's pretty boring. Like she's not, but in a good way, you know what I mean? Like I like her posts. I like her family. They live in New York. They live in the city and have a place out East. Like it's, I just like, I think it's once again, goes back. Like her life is very normal, which is why it's interesting. She's not like, I don't know. One of those like Utah Mormon mommy bloggers who lives in a 10 bedroom house and has 18 kids. You know what I mean? She's a Jewish woman in New York who has two kids. Like she Wait, could be my sister. I feel like this is so funny because I feel like people from New York, which is where I grew up, um, I don't find like anyone all that interesting. Like I'm just like, oh, like you have kids and like you're literally repeating your childhood as an adult. Like a lot of the girls that I went and I went to like a little all girls school, like when anyone has a job, I'm completely shocked. Yeah, no, she's not that. She's not Upper East Side. She's like she grew well, she, her dad lived in the city, but she grew up on Long Island. She's more. Oh, OK. And she lives in the East Village. Okay, so yeah, she sounds a she's, lot. She's like more upper middle class Jewish, like normal, not. Yeah, it's so funny because like this is gonna sound like tar- like you're Jewish, but you're not like one of the like I like it's funny like I feel like you didn't grow up in like Jap culture as I call it, which is like Long Island culture. I like I kind of did, but um, my dad's family is extremely waspy and that was like more of the culture I grew up in okay that's why I like you (laughs) no my it's like my family is Jewish well part of my my mom's side of the family is Catholic and Jewish and it's funny because my husband's like you're the biggest wasp and I went to like Bucknell and Skidmore like the two waspiest colleges like I guess Skidmore and then I ended up graduating from Bucknell but like it's funny which is like there's no wasp culture online. Yeah, I'm I would say I'm probably like I mean more waspy preppy than jappy, but like just be I don't know. Like I grew up you know going to sailing and tennis camp at the yacht club, playing tennis at the cricket club, like that that type of yeah. thing. <laughs> Which is yeah, it's less but also like I had a lot of Jewish friends and I mean the main line of Philadelphia has it's very dis- – I would imagine, like, Long Island or New York, like, very distinct wasp culture and then very distinct Jappy culture. It's – the only people I know who are from the mainline area are not Jewish. But that could just be, like, coincidental. Yeah, probably. But there's, like, a big – it's – the mainline's very much, like, Long Island in a lot of ways. Like, the nice yeah. parts of Long Island, I guess. I don't really know Long Island that well. But everybody that I went to, like, camp with from Long Island is what I'm talking Probably, about. Probably, yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> like, I went to camp in Pennsylvania, and my parents actually have a house in the Poconos. Really? So, 
Yeah, I know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> <That's right>. random. <laughs> no, people from the city either. So my parents, like, could have bought a house. I'm like, you guys made bad real estate systems. I'm like, you guys could have, like, when you were buying this house, like, you could have probably afforded something in the Hamptons. I was like, yeah, but, you know, we thought it was a little far. I'm like... Great. Yeah, I guess people used to go to the Poconos. On, like, I don't know. Nobody like I know goes to the Poconos. Everybody goes to the shore. But like I went to camp in the Poconos as well. And I do have, I guess, some friends that have like little places up there for skiing. But um, yeah, like, I know people like in New York that have, area. like... Yeah, I really don't know like the Poconos at all. There's it's, nothing there. It's like, like I... <laughs> It's absolutely Deadsville. Like there's there's one nice area called Milford and there's a hotel that's like $300 a night for absolutely nothing. <laughs> like there is not much going. I actually am going to go this weekend and see my parents again, but like because they don't come to LA very often because my dad is old enough to be my grandfather. Yeah. But um, I, I was mean, it's girl- nice. Like it can be – the Poconos in the summer is nice. It's just different than – it's dead. Like the beach or, you know, the shore or the Hamptons or whatever, you know. The shore sounds – you make the shore sound very exciting and very much not like the, like, Jersey Shore TV well, show. it's not. Like, I I mean, I do not go to Seaside Heights. That's why I go to <laughs> very nice Long Beach Island to the even nicer Beach Haven in Long Beach Island, if any of the listeners know. Like, it's it's not it's not like Jersey Shore <laughs> at all. No, I'm sure it's like super it's, it's nice. It's not that exciting. It's just like I've been going there my whole life. When I was growing up, I would spend my whole summers there unless it was at camp, then I would do half the summer at camp and half the summer at the shore. And so it's just like it's not that it's like so exciting. It's just you know, where I spent all of my summers as a kid. It's definitely an East Coast thing to have a country house or a summer house or a ski house. Yeah, I like don't remember who I was talking to about it. Oh, when Summer House, the show came out, people are like, they drive back and forth every weekend. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my dad drives back and forth every weekend from April to October through October. Like, you just do or you don't. You know what I mean? Like, you're either one of those people that like commutes to your second house or whatever all of the time or not ever it's I mean listen you're living you're living the creator's dream so where can people find you so you can find me on if you like teen mom you can listen to my podcast it's called feathers in my hair you can follow that instagram at feathers underscore pod and you can find me on patreon at patreon.com slash liz explains where I talk about everything <laughs> all things pop culture and i and i highly recommend it it's five dollars a month and i feel like you give people a lot of content you have super long shows it's a lot of fun thanks yeah i mean usually i do i like guarantee four episodes a month but sometimes it's like five six seven and yeah my episodes are usually like over an hour and a half long you get a lot of content there's there's like 130 episodes up there right now that you can go listen to so there's a lot wait the best was and like i'm totally geeking out right now when josh duggar got arrested and you did like a special report from your car and i was like like, sitting outside the mall (laughs) no i was like i was like i'm sitting but i'm like 
I thank God Liz is here to discuss this with me. <laughs> I just knew I was like gonna be not in the mood to do it when I got home. So I well, and I used to do that um like for bonus episodes for feathers in my hair back in the day. I used to do car casts as I called them. So sometimes it's just like nice to talk into a mic as I'm driving, like my headphone. <laughs> no, it's so funny. I did I had recorded a bunch of a bunch of stuff in my car and I hate the sound for this oh, so yeah, I never end garbage. up using those episodes. Oh, it's garbage, which is why it's like only special report type things. <laughs> but it was like I was like I needed this. Thank God someone else is here to like to go through this with me. I mean, I wasn't exactly surprised, but No, but it was devastating. It was like as I say, like a sharp left. Yes, agreed. Oh my gosh. Again, thank you so much for doing this. This was so much fun. Thank you for letting me geek out. Um, and thank you for letting me geek out every week when you do your show. Of course. Thanks for having me. It was great. 